The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. Let me start today by walking you through or taking you back to a scenario I assume almost everyone has experienced this. You run to the mall to pick up a gift. You're on your way to a party that's that day. It's either a birthday party or maybe it's a bridal shower. It's someplace where you cannot walk in without a gift. So you run to the mall. You've allotted for just enough time to pick out the perfect gift. Now, on your way to the mall, you stopped off at the local drugstore and you picked up a gift bag and some tissue because, you know, there's really not enough time to have this thing gift wrapped. So you pick out a beautiful outfit, let's say, and you are at a a very nice retail establishment where the lady behind the counter is incredibly sweet, so nice, and being so kind and so slow. She's talking to you about every single item that you have laid on the counter She's making a notation of how nice you looked in your driver's license photo. And then after she's finished the transaction, she's about to put those gifts, wrap them in tissue, and put them in the bag for you to leave along with your receipt. And she suddenly realizes that there's no tissue for the blouse and the slacks that you purchased. And being the sweetheart that she is, she quickly announces to you that, oh, I'm just going to run the back real quick and, and get you some tissue. And you can feel your anxiety level climbing, right? Because you're thinking, oh, this is so nice, but seriously, just throw it in the bag. Please, I have to go. Just throw it in the bag, right? And you don't have the heart to say that to her. So she dashes off back behind closed doors in quote unquote the stock room and disappears for like four or five minutes. But those four or five minutes feel like an eternity. And you're waiting and you're waiting and you just keep wavering between a smile and irritation you think this lady is so sweet and so nice but at the same time you're also like come on let's go i'm why today why today do i get this person who's like so overly sweet and nice and doesn't understand that like you're in a huge rush i mean you're like come on let's move those feet i got someplace to be let's go let's go let's go but she finally comes back and she's so apologetic And she regrets to inform you that there was no tissue behind those doors. But that's okay, honey, because she's going to run upstairs to customer service and get some more tissue. Well, well, now you've pretty much had enough. So you want to say to her as she's trying to dash away, no, no, really, really, it's okay. No, seriously, I have tissue in my car. Please come back. Please come back. I just want to leave. And you can't. Right, because the bag is just outside of your reach, and Gladys is hell bent on finding you tissue to wrap this gift in. In fact, she's not even wrapping the gift, she's just wrapping your purchase in it to put it in the bag. All you want to do is leave. So, what do you do? Do you grab the bag, explain to another sales associate, can you please let Gladys know that I have my purchase? Or do you feel bad for Gladys and you don't want to ruin her day? Do you wait for Gladys to come back? It'll only be a minute. I mean, how far could you have gone? 
She was practically sprinting. She'll be back in just moments. I should wait. I don't want to hurt her feelings. Such a nice lady. She doesn't know that I'm in a rush. And two and three minutes pass, which feel like two to three hours. And Gladys scurries back behind the counter. And you're thinking to yourself, for the love, will you please just throw these things in a bag? Now Gladys realizes that she forgot to take off one of the sensors. And you're standing there smiling and trying to stay calm and just wanting to rip the garments out of her hands or ask for someone to come over and please help Gladys finish this transaction. Have you had this happen before? Where you, you can almost feel like that devil and angel on your shoulder fighting with you. Like you, you want to be really frustrated and you want to say, enough, I've got to go. But by the same token, you feel bad because this person's being very sweet and very kind and they're just trying to do their job. They're just trying to, trying to be nice to you. What would you do in that situation? Well, I find myself, have found myself in this situation every time I go to a large appearance. Now, as many of you know, I do exercise DVDs. And one of the companies that I partner with is Beachbody. I am part of the Beachbody family. I'm what they call a a Beachbody celebrity trainer. I don't know what that word celebrity means, but it means a lot of people have done your workouts, if, if nothing else. And several times a year, we have these big, huge events where all of your fans and coaches and supporters and people who have done your workouts and people who are part of the organization, they all come together in one big group, a city. It's like a celebration and we learn and we do the workouts and they teach each other how to do better at becoming a, an online health coach or helping people reach their, their fitness goals. And so myself and a few other trainers like Tony Horton and of course, Sean T. What's up, Sean T? And, um, Carl Deichler, um, top coaches, you know, people who are known in the Beachbody community. Well, when we have these events, you know, it started off kind of small, like a couple thousand people. And then the next year it was 5,000 people and then 10,000, 15,000. And it's expected to be 25,000 people. And there's a moment at this event, which is called the summit. There's a moment at summit where you go up on the stage and that's an awesome, incredible opportunity to teach a live class to 25,000 people that are part of the Beachbody family. And it's really awesome. It's really cool. Now, a lot of those people are my fans, but some of them just know me as part, being part of the organization. They don't, they're not necessarily a fan. They've maybe never done one of my workouts. They've seen my picture. They know I'm one of the quote unquote celebrity trainers, but you know, they don't really know me. Nonetheless, their business is promoting these workouts and nutrition and supplement lines. So when they're at this event, as you can imagine, it benefits them to have a photo taken with me or one of the other trainers because for their customers, it would appear then that, you know, that this person is connected to people who are high up in the organization or the trainers who created these workouts. It's kind of like, um, I guess the only way I can describe it is there are people who are fans of Tom Brady, right? And that's the only professional football player I can think of right now because he's in the news, but there are people who are fans of Tom Brady and they want to take a photo with him because they love him and they know he's like an incredible quarterback and they know everything about him and they're his lifer. And then there are those people who are in the business of selling autographs, professional and sports memorabilia. And those people want to take a photo with him and have him sign something too, but it's kind of different. Like they're doing it because not because they have a genuine love and appreciation for Tom, but it's going to help their business. And I don't think either one's wrong, but they're just kind of different. And so that kind of happens at these live events too, right? Like people will be there 
and they're very aggressive to take a photo with you and you know it's to help their business and that they really don't know you because they'll say, hey, Charlene, Charlene, can I get a photo with you? I'm like, are you talking to me? Because my name is not Charlene. Or they'll be like, hey, can I, can I get a photo with you? And they're like really aggressive and they'll like grab you. And we're not talking 10 and 20 people. We're talking thousands of people, right? And that, listen, I've got total gratitude, but this episode is about complaining and the different types of complaints we can experience. So this would happen every year. And as you can expect, most people aren't carrying a, you know, an old school camera around their neck or even a digital camera. What does everyone take a photo with? Correct, their phone. And is there only one type of phone? No, there's iPhones and Androids and Samsungs and, and all other types of phones you can possibly imagine. So when someone wants to take a photo with you, this is what it, this is what it feels like. You're going down a hallway. You've got just a couple of minutes to get to the next event, which they've scheduled for you to go up and be on stage and speak to thousands of people. So your brain is already like trying to make sure you get that presentation right. You know, you're already thinking about your words and your choreography and you're trying to run through it in your head. And so you're, you're already kind of like a little distant. You're already trying to like mentally focus. But meanwhile, you're walking through these streams of people who are really aggressively trying to get a photo with you. So what do you do? Do you ignore them? Do you wave? Do you stop and take a photo? Okay, sure. Let's say we stop and we take a photo. So now you're in a hallway and there's somebody there with their iPhone. And they're like, hey, oh, hey, awesome. Charlene, can I get, awesome. Can you stand here? Okay, cool. All right, so can I stand on this side? This is my good side. Sure. Yeah, that's cool. No problem. And then what do they do? They look at their phone and they're like, oh, hold on. Hold on. I have to shoot. Man, I'm out of memory. Hold on. I got to delete a couple photos. And you're waiting and they're tapping and they finally have enough space on their phone. Meanwhile, 10 other people are now standing there because they're like, oh, cool. Shaleen stopped and now we can get a photo too. And you're looking around going, oh, I'm just, I'm just exposed. I'll never get to my next spot on time. And you're standing there. And then this person uh, wraps their arm around your shoulder. And they're smiling big. And they're looking off at their friend. And they're like, hey, dude, will you take this picture for me? Will you get a picture of me and Shaleen? And they hand their phone off to a stranger who's never operated this type of device before. And what do they do? They tap the screen and they're like, oh, dude, sorry. It just... Um, I need your password or something. And like, just shut down. And they hand it back to dude. And then dude's like, oh, sorry, 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 Charlene. Sorry, Charlene. Hold on a second. And then they tap a bunch of things on their phone. And then they call that guy back over and they're like, hey, okay. So on this phone, what you want to do is you press this button. This button? Yeah. You press, you press that button. Meanwhile, I'm standing there sweating and I'm having those same feelings that I had, that you've had when someone's trying to do something very nice. And you don't want to be rude, be like, I really need to go. Please let me go, right? And so it's a strange feeling. And then that person would stand over there and they're like, oh, dude, I'm so sorry. I had it on video. Hold on. And then the dude has to like take the phone back. And now he's got to delete that video because it just took up too much space. Are you with me yet? So now we're talking like it's like it feels like three hours later, but it's a couple minutes. At least, it's, it's at least four or five minutes later. I'm still standing there. And now the line of people are like, oh, cool. Shaleen's standing here taking photos so we can get photos which are going to help our business. Or maybe there's like a legitimate fan there, right? There's someone who's like, they're, they're looking, they're watching this and they're thinking, wow, there's thousands of people and, and I've been watching her videos for all this time and 
I have a true connection with her. Like, I'm about to meet her, and I can see them, right? So I'm standing here taking this photo with this, you know, sweaty guy who's already told me that he doesn't do my workouts, but his, you know, his cousin's going to be so excited about this photo. And I'm like, dude, really? Okay, fine. So I'm standing here with him, right? And he's already told me that he doesn't do my workouts, and, and I can see this girl, like, off in the distance, like, with tears in her eyes. And I know what, she, I know what she's experiencing. I know what she's thinking. I've felt that way before. You know, it's like the first time I saw Susie Orman, I saw her from a distance and I was like, what is going on with me? Why am I getting like teary-eyed? It's because I'd, I'd made so many changes in my life from her advice. You know, I knew she didn't know me, but I felt like she did, you know? So I get it. And I'm looking at this girl with tears in her eyes. And meanwhile, I'm also having this conversation in my head like, please make this guy go away. Please make this stop. And the, he gets his photo. And then now what do I do? Now I'm like going to be late to run to my next event. Like there are people now in a room waiting for me to get up on stage. And But yet this group has formed around you. So now what do I do? Do I pretend I didn't see the girl who's got tears in her eyes who wants to tell me her story? Right? What do I say? What do I do? And so now she comes over and she's like, I just have to tell you that last year I found out I have breast cancer. I can't run away from that. Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. And now what do I do? Say, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Run? Like, but I'm late now, right? And there's, and now there's more people forming. And now she's scrambling for her phone to pull it out and take a selfie of us together. And you can imagine this, like, Every single time you leave your hotel room, that's what happens. And it's hard for me to even honestly admit this to people, but I feel like I need to because, because it's about this episode. It's, it's feeling grateful and gratitude towards others, but at the same time, realizing there's got to be a way to fix this. And so after like the second or third year of doing these events, I finally figured out like, okay, I know what's going on here. It's those iPhones. It's the dang phones. That's the problem. Like, I want to take pictures with people, but it's the phones that make this almost impossible. I can't imagine what it's like to be a celebrity, like a true celebrity, like a Tom Cruise or a, a Justin Bieber or wherever. When they go out in public, man, they just must get b- bombarded because now I have a solution. I have a solution because of constructive complaint. And I think constructive complaint is one of the most important types of complaints. I want you to know that even though you'll hear from me, I need you to be a positive person. It's your outlook. It's your attitude. That doesn't mean roll over and allow things to continue happening the way they're happening if there's a potential solution. I mean, there's nothing wrong with trying to creatively solve a problem. Now, there's a difference between what I call constructive complaint and constructive feedback. Constructive feedback is where you're trying to offer a suggestion to someone. You're not complaining though. You're just you're trying to offer a suggestion in such a way that's very constructive. It doesn't hurt. And it's very similar to a constructive complaint. You're not complaining to denigrate. You're not complaining just to complain. You're complaining because I know there's a solution here. And I, I need for people to understand what this feels like so that we can find a solution that solves the problem, not just for me, but for everybody else. A constructive complaint is one that's directed to the right people. And the difference between a denigrating complaint and a constructive complaint is your intentions. A constructive complaint is one where you're, you're just trying to make things easier for everyone. It's not to bring anyone down. It's not to complain just to complain. It's a complaint with the hope, with the belief that you have a solution. And here's the cornerstone of a constructive complaint. You must, you yourself must have the solution and propose it, at least one of the solutions. 
Here's another example of a constructive complaint. One of my favorite stores. It's this little boutique right around the corner. And I I love these very silky, beautiful blouses, but they're not silk. I can't, I don't even know what material they're made out of, um, but they don't show sweat. And that's kind of important because sometimes when I'm on stage or even when I'm on video, especially on video, you have like all of these lights on you uh, to, you know, like light the set and it's so hot. And then they have to turn off the air because you can hear the air on the microphone. So you're just like, oh, sweating profusely. So I have to find these very like nice blouses that aren't going to show like big pits of sweat under my arms. And there's this boutique around the corner where they they happen to carry a couple of the lines that I love. And they have these big, thick, slippery, wooden hangers. And every time I just like go, that's the sound effect that I'm making to like move blouses across the rack while I'm looking at them. Well, every time you touch a hanger, guess what happens? Ladies, you know the answer. The flipping blouse falls off the hanger and onto the floor. And I'm like, Ugh. so then I have to pick up, bend over. I have to pick up the blouse. I got to put the blouse back on the wooden hanger, but I don't know how to do it very well. So it slips right back off. And so now I'm at like five minutes, like trying to hang up a, a dumb blouse, right? And I'm just trying to figure out what size it is. So I always go to the ladies at the front. I'm like, ladies, I know this would make your life so much easier. And I think you'd have so much more room, too, if you would maybe consider getting huggable hangers. They make them in this nude color that kind of looks like wood. They're very classy. Your blouses would stick to them. You'd have more room. And I bet it would be far less work for all the sales associates because I assume you guys are like constantly following behind customers rehanging these beautiful garments. And then the garments wouldn't get damaged. So what do you say? What do you say we try out some huggable hangers? I'll buy them for you. That complaint, that constructive complaint is intended to make life easier for them and for me. Have we resolved it at My Favorite Boutique? No, we have not. But have we resolved the issue at Summit? Yes. And here's what I'm going to tell you. This is why it's important to frame a constructive complaint. So here's what I did. I went to the management at Beachbody and I said, here's what happens. I know it happens to all the other trainers. I know it happens to the top coaches. I know it happens to the Beachbody executives. What if we assigned one photographer to every trainer? And then every time we left our room, when there was a swarm of people, we could just go, sure, there's the cameraman. And then we could just quickly pose and then go to the next person and pose and pose and pose. And then everybody knew that they could go to one website and see all of those photos. Now it's awesome. Problem solved. Now I'm not standing there waiting for somebody to delete data off their phone. And I can get to thousands, literally thousands more people. I don't feel like a jerk walking away from people. They don't feel embarrassed because it takes five minutes to figure out where their phone is in the bottom of their purse. The photos are beautiful. They're really well lit and they're taken by a professional photographer and they don't have to pay for them. And you and I both know if you can see them on a website, you can just screenshot it and it's on your phone anyways. Like back in the day, people would like, but I want it on my phone. But it's like, yeah, you can get it on your phone. Hello. I don't know if you know this, but you can screenshot something. If it's on the internet, it's on your phone, dude. Problem solved. That is the perfect type of complaint. That's a type of complaining that I think is very useful, but it's very important that your delivery is thoughtful, well-researched, it is solution-based, it's kind, and you deliver it without emotion. Because if you have too much emotion tied to it, people feel like you are attacking them, even if you have a solution. Now, the next type of complaint is what I call a therapeutic complaint. A therapeutic complaint is also really important. 
Therapeutic complaints are complaints that you never, you really don't even mean what you're saying. You're just kind of trying to make sense of why you're frustrated. Therapeutic complaints can be dangerous, however, if you're doing it with the wrong person. Can I tell you the best person in the world to use for therapeutic complaint? Well, maybe it's out of this world. The best is God. I mean, God is there for you to hear your complaints, and he's okay with you being frustrated. He will help you sort these things out. But for those of you, sometimes you need something more than that. Sometimes you just actually need to hear your own voice and have somebody else nod and laugh and just know that you're just getting it off your chest. Like, that is so awesome. And for those of you who you don't have a sibling, like you don't have a blood sibling, I hope you have someone who feels like your sister or they feel like your brother, like you've got that level of trust, like you so understand each other, you so get each other, like you don't even have to apologize. You don't even have to say, you know I don't mean this, right? Like that's the kind of, that's the only kind of person you should be doing therapeutic complaint with. You know it's safe. You know, they know you're just venting. Like I'm a boss, right? Like so I have employees and I want them to know you should complain about me to your spouse. I don't want you to complain about me to your coworkers because that could undermine and be seen as gossip, et cetera. But I think we all like, you know, we all get frustrated sometimes and it might not always even, we might not even be sure like why we're frustrated, but therapeutic complaint can help us sort out where our head is and what it is we're frustrated about. And it can help us to relieve stress. It can help us know that there's someone out there who completely understands. Here's an example of therapeutic complaint. It's when my best girlfriend called me last week to tell me, ah, I don't know why he brushes his teeth for like 20 minutes. And then he sloshes and then he gargles and then he flosses his teeth. And Shalene, then he brushes his teeth again. And it's so loud. And he knows this drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. I know that that is just a therapeutic complaint. Like, and some of you are like, what? Someone really is complaining about someone, their oral hygiene? But I get it. Like, she's, she loves her husband. Would she ever say that publicly? No, because that would be cruel. That would be a denigrating complaint. Would she say it to her husband? No, because she's not really looking for a constructive way to solve this. She's just trying to figure out, like, just having somebody understand that it's that sound. It's just, it's just you know, it's part of being married and luckily, she knows that that secret is safe with me. Well, at least it was until today, until I told, oh, I don't know, all of you? Oops, sorry. But I didn't tell you who told me that, right? So her secret is still safe with me. Therapeutic complaints are the kind of thing where you can call up your sister and you can be like, oh, my God, mom is driving me crazy. But you couldn't say that to your dad because he might say it to your mom and you don't really mean it. You really love your mom, but you just... It's nice to have someone who you can trust, who you can get it off your chest. They know that your intentions are not cruel. It's just to blow off some steam and kind of make sense of it. Here's how you know that what you're doing is, um, is safe. And, and it's okay, I think, to blow off that kind of steam. And that is when you finish any type of therapeutic complaint with just a moment of gratitude. So let's go back to that girlfriend of mine who called me to like tell me how much her husband was driving her bonkers with her, his oral hygiene. She also said, however, I do have to say, he is kicking butt right now and helping me with our business. And I just, I don't even know how I ended up with a guy like this. He's so awesome. And I don't even know how he can put up with me. Like, so that conversation ended with a ton of gratitude. 
I hope you have someone in your life who you can engage in this kind of therapeutic complaint. But don't kid yourself. If it's gossip, if you're truly complaining in hopes that they will send that message back to someone else, I think that's denigrating complaining. And it's dangerous and it's malicious and it's meant to punish or belittle or to hurt or to undermine someone. And and don't don't kid yourself if that's what you're doing. That's not therapeutic complaint. Therapeutic complaint, you just are expecting that to go nowhere. It's it's almost the equivalent of complaining into your pillow. It's just to help you feel better. It's it's you know, it's punching the mattress just to help you get it off your chest and let go. The last and the most dangerous type of complainer is someone who is what I call a denigrating complainer or a chronic complainer. And denigrating complaints are complaints we make to make ourselves feel better. They serve no purpose. We're not looking for a solution other than to point out the shortcomings of others and to bring them down, to feel better for the moment about faults which supposedly we do not have. Now, you know a chronic complainer. Sometimes they're complaining about everything, including themselves. Not only are they not looking for a solution, if you suggest a solution, they don't want to hear it. They really just want to complain. They just want to bring everybody else down. Now, listen, I'm no angel and neither are you. We've had those days where we just feel like complaining. But you have to be very careful because it is contagious and it will not only infect you, it'll infect the people around you. So be able to identify those people who are chronic complainers. You'll know who they are because their complaints are just meant to denigrate. They're just ma- meant to make people feel less than and to belittle them. They're not looking for a solution. They're just willing to put up with what's going on, but they want to put that person down. You know, it's funny. The first thing I thought of when thinking about an example for this is one that maybe some of you are familiar with, the show Dance Moms. I shouldn't even watch this show because I... I know it's all phony. I hope it is because if it's not, every one of those little girls is going to need therapy. Count on it. I mean, everyone needs therapy anyways, but those little girls, the public should take up a general fund for them. On this show, they're subjected to just the cruelest and meanest of comments from Abby Lee Miller, the dance teacher. But when I think about the denigrating complaints, the denigrating complaints come from the moms who sit up above the dance studio and they watch through plexiglass their daughters down below dancing and practicing for an upcoming recital or rehearsal or competition. And they watch as Abby Miller just rips their daughters apart and each episode ends or at least at some point there's a crescendo where one of the little girls is crying hysterically because Abby has just ripped her a new one and told her about how cruel the world is and what a favor she's doing to them by exposing them to all the evils now before they ever hit Broadway. And then the mom rushes down into the room and says, we're leaving this studio. We pay good money. And they freak out and then they leave. And then then the moms all come back together and they engage in what I call denigrating complaints. They start putting Abby down and talking about her size and her weight and how horrible she is and what an awful person she is. They're just complaining to put her down. And they're doing that because they feel bad about themselves. They feel bad about themselves because they should, because all they're doing is exposing their daughters to this horrible, demoralizing, debilitating, belittling behavior from an adult woman. And they just keep exposing their daughters to this. Why? 
maybe because the show's on TV, maybe because they want their daughters to be famous dancers, maybe because they are defining themselves through their daughters' abilities. I don't know. But I know they don't feel good about themselves. I know they're not looking for a solution. And it's very apparent because their complaints are just meant to belittle and to denigrate. They aren't to solve the problem because the problem is only solved by being a mom who really cares and scooping your kid up out of that situation. I'm sure I will hear from one of the dance moms from this commentary. And I hope I do because I really do think they are doing an incredible disservice to their children. And no one will be able to know that or answer that question until those young women are adults. Because everybody says this about kids. Oh, they're so resilient. They love it. Well, let's talk to them when they're 20-something and they're reflecting on how they feel about themselves after this experience. Wow, did I digress. But it was just the only example that I can think of where perhaps you've seen it. The other place where, if you're not watching that show, any reality TV show There's tons of this denigrating complaining where there's not a solution intended. I mean, there's exceptions. But in most cases, the characters who we've come to love are the ones who are gossiping, the ones who are stirring the pot, the ones who are causing problems just because they want to make themselves feel better or create a plot line to stay on the show. Now, maybe I'm a hypocrite because I love reality TV, but I love all kinds of reality TV. You know what's like a really crazy fun one lately that I've been watching is Naked and Afraid. Oh my God. Maybe because I cannot imagine ever going on a show like that. OMG, I can't believe people do that. So they they drop them off in the middle of like terribly dangerous wilderness, like the rainforest. And they drop them off with a stranger and they have to survive 30 days naked. Mm Mm-mm, I am way too modest for that kind of thing. First thing I would be doing, I would not be looking for food. I would not be looking for shelter. I would not be trying to start a fire. I would be trying to make myself a halter top and a mini skirt from leaves because I cannot be running around naked for 30 days. No, thank you. That's an interesting show to watch, though. There's not a lot of um, complaining. Well, there's a lot of complaining, uh, but there's not a lot of gossiping that's happening on that show. They're trying to solve problems. They're trying to stay alive for 30 days. Terribly fascinating. But let's get back to the type of complaining that's denigrating. You know it is because that person is, um, they will accidentally reveal to you that they don't like themselves. This person is constantly complaining, constantly finding fault with others, and they don't want to hear solutions. My goal is always to offer solutions, possible ways that we can make ourselves better. And I mean, we're human. So sometimes it's very tempting to listen to somebody else complain just to complain, especially when it's someone who maybe you're jealous of or or maybe you don't have fond feelings for. So it's almost therapeutic or you, you feel a little better just by listening to someone else complain or gossip. But yet you have that feeling afterwards, like almost like you need to take a shower or you're looking around to see if maybe somebody was recording it. Like you just feel guilty. And the reason why you feel guilty is because you know it was wrong. Pastor Rick Warren in his book, The Purpose Driven Life says this, listening to gossip is like accepting stolen property and it makes you just as guilty of the crime. Whoa, that's hardcore. We've all been there though, where you know, you, you've been, you've made it okay for someone to just complain and it, it really isn't a complaint. It's, it's just gossip. So how do you handle that? How do you become the person who others don't feel okay to gossip to? 
And I think that's a pretty cool thing. Like a lot of times people say, oh, you didn't know that about so-and-so. And I always feel like a little bit proud that I don't know the gossip that everybody else knows. I'm like, no, I don't know that because people don't gossip to me because I don't make it okay to gossip to me. I hope I have relationships with people where they feel a level of trust that they can do some therapeutic complaining, but gossiping, that's just never okay. So how do you respond when someone wants to complain and there's no solution? They just want to complain about someone. How do you respond to that? Well, you can use specific phrases. Here's, here's a couple that I think that it just like immediately turns the tide. So you don't make the other person feel like you think you're better than them, but you can just, you can give them the message that th- I'm not comfortable with this. And you can say exactly that. Oh, I, I just don't feel comfortable talking about this or sharing these details about this person. Have you talked to them? I think, I think you should probably talk to them. So you can redirect it and at the same time tell them, I'm not comfortable with this. You could also suggest that you take the other side of the story and say, well, you know, actually defend that person. Say, well, you know what? You got to try to see it from their side. If you do that, you don't even have to say I'm uncomfortable with this conversation because a chronic complainer isn't looking for somebody who wants to explain the other side of the story. They don't see it and they don't want to hear from anyone who does. And another way you can turn that around is just by when someone starts to complain about something else, you can say, ah, I don't want to talk about that. Tell me what's going on with you. I want to end today's show with a challenge because the Shaleen show is all about its growth. It's growth that helps me. I hope it's growth. I know it's growth that helps you because you've been telling me it helps you. Thank you on that note for leaving me your reviews. When you go to iTunes or back to Stitcher and you write a review for the show, that's how I know that's how I know it's working. That's how I measure my progress. And that's how I, that's how I get the motivation to continue to make these shows. So I want, I want to give all of us a challenge. I'm going to take this too. I want you to think about the last time you said something, you complained about someone in such a way that it, it wasn't meant to just be therapeutic. And it wasn't intended to really find a solution. It was, it was just basically gossip. You were just complaining about someone to make them seem smaller or to belittle them, or, or maybe just to make yourself feel better, like you, you had this piece of information, or you wanted to complain just to complain. Think about the last time you did that, and unless you're an angel, none of us are perfect. We do these things. What's most important is that we, we try to fix ourselves. We try to grow. I can think back on a, a time recently when I did this, and I feel bad about it. So here's my challenge. I challenge you to reach out to the person who you complained to and explain yourself and explain how wrong it was of you to do that. You just own it. I, I don't know why I complained in that way about that individual. It was wrong. It was gossip. I shouldn't have done it. I went should have gone directly to them or tried to find a solution. And it's been bothering me ever since. I have this little bit of shame and guilt associated with it because I want to be better than that. So please erase that from the tapes of your memory and please know that I'm not that kind of individual and um, accept my apology and know that I am looking for a solution and I'm going to find a solution by working directly with that person. I'm not one to gossip and I shouldn't have complained about that person to you. That's my challenge. I'm going to do it. I'm going to finish recording this podcast. I'm going to send that 